Let me just go ahead and tell you. Uh, stop by and make sure you pick up a prayer card. Pray for the the Ray family, okay? Uh, but Brother John's going to come. Uh, you uh, you going to introduce your? Okay. All right. I'll I'll get it working, and then uh, you just tell me when. Do you thank you, Pastor Thrower? I want to give you something real quick. It's a little keychain. It's got a, a, the real one's a lot bigger, but it's an instrument they call the can. It's one of their musical instruments there in Laos. It's a little souvenir for you in the church to remember us by. We do thank you for your help again with us getting on our survey trip. I don't know if you remember, you even gave, it. I couldn't use my, my ATM card wasn't working. I couldn't get money. And you loaned me $300 and Mission Board sent a check back to you to pay you back for it. Or we would have had no money even to spend on our survey trip. You, you helped us out wonderfully. Quite the blessing. It's a blessing to be here at Central Baptist Church, actually be a part of a service here. I'm John Ray, my wife Christy, our daughters Charity and Anna. Anna, can you wave to everybody? You've been praying for her for the last month plus and her esotropia with her eyes. We're sent out a New Life Baptist Church in Mooresville, Indiana, working with Beacon International Baptist Mission. We've been in the country of Laos for the last six years. I don't want to go into all the details the video is going to say, but at least want to get the prelims out of the way. And then we'll go ahead. We're ready. We'll get the video started. We are the Ray family, missionaries to Laos. I'm John. I'm Kristen. I'm Charity. I'm Anna. The Lao people are called the children of the sticky rice. Vegetables and grilled meat paired with a handful of steamed sticky rice is a delicious meal. Most people buy rice and cook it at home, but the story of rice is much longer. Someone has to till the ground. Someone has to sow the seeds. Someone has to water the seeds. Someone has to weed the rice paddy. Someone has to be patient while the rice grows. Someone has to reap the rice. This is the same method we are using in Laos to see souls saved. Laos is a communist country, so many methods of spreading the gospel are illegal. The Lao people live in extreme spiritual darkness. They are bound by a threefold cord of Buddhism, animism, and humanism, which is not quickly broken. Many have never heard the name of Jesus, much less know who he is. But God has given us this harvesting strategy. We are tilling the soil by building relationships in our community, from teaching English in the evening to meeting with fishermen and retirees at a local shop. We've befriended vendors at the local wet market and nearby restaurants, and we've opened our yard as a place for the neighborhood children to play. We are sowing the seeds with our friends. After a meal together, we teach from the Bible. Short lessons often take hours of language and scripture study. We've also put together videos for select individuals to watch giving visual illustrations to match the scripture they hear. We are watering the seeds with Christ-like love. 
During the COVID lockdown, we gave food to a neighbor who had no work. We helped pay hospital bills for another neighbor's son who was injured and could not work. We are loving the ignored and neglected like the widows and the fatherless. We are weeding lives by removing things that hinder them from believing. We are listening ears for the hurting. We have confronted deep satanic opposition. We have exposed false teachings that claim they are in the name of Jesus Christ. We have not yet seen growth of the seeds we have personally planted. We are praying and patiently waiting. While we have not yet seen anyone recognize their sin, repent, and believe in Jesus Christ, we anticipate it soon. Our ability to communicate in Lao is growing, and so is the understanding and desire of our friends. We trust the Holy Spirit to finish His work during our furlough, and we believe we will see friends come to Christ during our next term. We look forward to reaping the crop we have labored. As friends trust Christ, we plan to baptize them and begin meeting as a church. We will teach them to be indigenous Lao believers, so the Lao Church will spread truth to start more Lao churches. Growing rice is a long and laborious process, and so is seeing souls saved in a communist country. We are praying that God's harvest in Laos will start soon. Please pray with us. Thank you again, Pastor. Done all that. Some of you may know Laos, again, communist country. Lord first put it on my heart in 2002. or That's when he confirmed to me that's where he wanted me to go. And it was 2017 before I got in. Very difficult country to get into. In fact, and I don't say this to brag on us, but we've been privileged. When we started our furlough, came back to the States... To my knowledge, there were no other Baptist missionaries in Laos. One other couple went in in October of last year. We came back in August. I was just contacted Monday by a pastor in Iowa looking for... His church has gotten a burden for the country of Laos and two of the people groups in there. He contacted 15 mission boards, and none of them knew anybody in Laos. Needful place. That's why we need your prayers. We're starting from absolute zero on scriptural knowledge. And that's why we say at six years, we're at the watering stage. Anybody here a farmer? You grew up on a farm, you got a garden? It takes time to turn that barren patch into something barren fruit. And that's what we're seeking to do. Turn that barren patch into a fruitful field for our Lord. Amen. Lord willing, we'd like to go back in July. You're already praying for Anna. That's, that's our biggest concern right now. We, she's got to do therapy for her eyes. And we've got to be in one place long enough for her to do therapy. Pray that the, we're going to be trying to do two sessions a week in August, or excuse me, in June. And see if we can't pick it up from there ourselves largely to keep her therapy going, or we may have to delay our return. We're praying we can stay. One of our prayer requests is there's an abandoned elementary school near our house. We want to 
rent that and turn it into an English school. Just to be in the country, I teach English as a second language, so I've got a visa to be there. But if we could open our English as a second language school, we could bring in other missionaries that want to come to Laos to teach in that school, give us someone to fellowship with, and give us partners in the ministry. I want to do a quick message out of John chapter 4. You got your Bibles? Yes, the girls already know the message. They've heard it dozens of times. I don't think you've heard it that many, Charity. Well, maybe if I get sick, instead of Mom, you have to do the presentation. I'll have you do it. That happened once on deputation. I was sick, and my wife had to do the presentation. She didn't preach. The, the pastor of the church preached. John 4.35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. How many of you have heard missionaries preach this? The fields are white. Go, go harvest. Lift up your eyes. The fields are white. I'm not preaching that. You see, this verse is not a universal verse to all people at all times and all places. Jesus said this to a particular group of men at a particular place in a particular time. Now, sometimes I'll go through all of that in detail, but I don't think we've got that much time. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter, you find out where this was and when this was. Jesus has been down in uh, Jerusalem. It's early in his ministry. The Pharisees find out he's got more followers than John the Baptist had. Pharisees are angry about that. And Jesus tells the disciples that they're going back to Galilee. But they must needs go through Samaria. That's really important. Galilee is southern Israel. I'm sorry, Judea is southern Israel. Jerusalem's in Judea. Galilee's northern Israel. And Samaria is the middle area. Well, if you must needs go through Samaria, that only makes sense, right? Not to the Jews at that time. They'd have crossed the Jordan River, gone up the other side, and crossed back over because they don't want to go through Samaria. The Jews wouldn't set foot in Samaria. And quickly explaining why, you've got the Jewish people or the descendants of Abraham through Isaac, and they are the rightful heirs of the promises of Abraham. But somewhere between Abraham and Jesus, they lost track of the last part of the promise that said, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And they said, And we only will be blessed. They called everybody who's not a Jew a heathen or a Gentile. They're the same meaning. One's the Greek, one's the Hebrew. If you ever call somebody heathen, it just means they're not Jewish. I'm serious. They're racist. They hated everybody else. And then you had the situation where a Gentile and a Jew had a child together, and they called that a Samaritan. And they hated the Samaritans more than they hated the Gentiles because that ruined the perfect bloodline in their mind. The area of Samaria was part of the northern kingdom Israel that got conquered before the southern kingdom Judah got conquered. And when Assyria did that, they intermarried. Everywhere they conquered, they'd intermarry people to lose their bloodlines, lose their heritage. And they put them back in that area of Samaria that was the capital of the northern kingdom Israel. 
So for hundreds of years, that region had mixed and mixed and mixed to nobody knew what their background was. And so the Jewish people hated Samaritans. It was a curse word to them. It was the biggest insult you could call somebody. They wouldn't set foot in Samaria because they were racist. But Jesus must needs go through Samaria. He goes through, he meets the woman at the well. Keep in mind the extreme racism, and he talks to a woman there. He offers her living water. She asks, yes, I, I want the living water. He tells her to get her husband. This poor woman's been beat up by Baptist preachers for decades, if not hundreds of years, because they forget her culture. She, him telling her that he, she'd had five husbands was not calling out any kind of sin in her life. It was recognizing her situation. Because in most of the world today, even back in America's history in its early days, it wasn't that men and women got married. It was that a man got married and a woman was given in marriage to a man. If you want a biblical marriage, it's between two men. The husband and the father, the bride that gave. That's the biblical marriage. Non-agreement of a man and a woman. She didn't agree in anything. She was given. Sorry, sidetrack. The point being, this woman was given in marriage, and her husband either died, or he gave her a bill of divorce and kicked her out of the home. And she was taken by another man in marriage, and he either died or kicked her out, gave her a bill of divorce. And she went through that five times. When it says that she was living with a man, it doesn't mean she was living in sin with a man. This may have been that a brother had taken her and taken care of her as a woman that needed some kind of headship. It could have been just a man that said, I see you're suffering and you need somewhere to live. I'll let you live at my house. They don't know. It doesn't say that she did anything sinful. But Jesus spoke to her deepest needs. And she recognized, if you have never seen me before, never been in this city before, and you can tell me I've been married five times and live with a man that I'm not married to, you know everything about me. You are a prophet from God. She asks him some questions. He gives her answers she doesn't understand. That happens when you're soul winning a lot. Ultimately, she tells him, I know Messiah is coming. And he tells her, I that speak unto thee am he. She believes she gets saved. She leaves her water pot, the whole reason she went to the well. She runs back to the city. Meanwhile, the disciples are coming out of the city bringing food. They go to give the food to Jesus. And he tells them, I already ate. They ask him, you know, did anybody bring you food? He tells them, no. My food, is to, or my meat, is to do the will of him that sent me to fulfill it. I obeyed my father, and I came here to Sychar, and I talked to the woman. The woman's at the gate telling the men there, I just met a man who told me everything I ever did. Understanding Eastern culture, a woman's identity of who she's married to, is everything about her. And then he's at the well, he's the Messiah, and the whole city is pouring out. All the men are coming to see who is this at the well. And while the disciples are standing there holding these bags of food, wondering, what are you talking about, Master? Don't you want to eat this food? And the city of Sychar is pouring out. Jesus tells them, lift up your eyes, you twelve. Your eyes need to lift up and look on that field of Sychar because that field of Sychar is ready to harvest. And then he goes on in verse 36. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. 
This is proof. He's telling them, this is a spiritual harvest. It's not these crops and these physical fields I'm talking about. It's the people. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you're entered into their labors. Jesus tells them, y'all have a field to reap right there and you did nothing. You did no work to prepare that field. It's just ready for you. You said you used to be a farmer? Don't you wish you could have bought fields that were all ready and all you had to do is get out the reaper? Your dad would have loved it. Anybody a gardener? Wouldn't you love it, you know, if all you ever had to do was go out there and pick the vegetables? Wouldn't that be nice? It doesn't work that way. But he told the disciples, you get this. You get this opportunity. Somebody else did all that work, and you just get to go reap it. That he that soweth, the one who did all the work to get it ready, and he that reapeth, you guys getting to harvest it, you're going to rejoice together because it all got in the barn. Isn't that nice? So I ask you, who did the labor? Who did the work? Well, God did the work, absolutely. He, he's always at the ultimate. But physically speaking, they had some knowledge of the law. I mean, this woman knew who the Messiah was. when She, she knew there was a Messiah coming when she went to the well. Even though they had been thoroughly corrupted with other nations, there was still some knowledge of the Jewish law, some knowledge of what sin was, who God was. They had some background knowledge, including that there was a Messiah coming. And then, of course, this woman did the work of telling all these men so they'd come out to the well. She was the big laborer. She didn't reap anything. The disciples were the ones getting to reap it all. But who got to rejoice? Both of them. The sower and the reaper got to rejoice together. So what's my point? Now the harsh statements. This isn't a young church, is it? I realize part of that's Florida's retirement, but we've seen this a lot here in America since we came back for furlough. Soul winning's gotten a lot harder, hasn't it? I mean, back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, and reap, 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 reap. When I was in college in, in the 2000s, the fields just aren't reaping very well anymore. Somewhere along the line, we forgot that when you get done reaping a field, any good farmer will tell you the next thing you do after you reap it is you've got to plow it again. You've got to fertilize it again. You've got to prepare it again. Then you've got to sow it again. You've got to water it again. You've got to weed it again. You've got to get the field ready for another reaping. But we have made the mistake of just driving the reaper around and around and around wondering why nothing's coming out. And so I want to encourage this church, and I'm trying to encourage every church I get to preach in here in America. If you're not seeing any reaping, ask the Lord to show you what does your field look like today. If it's not white, you need that honest assessment. Laos is not a white field. Get out the plow if you need to. Break up that fallow ground. How am I going to do that? You've got to love people. How many of you will admit there's somebody you've tried to reach for the gospel? They won't hear it. 
If you get your Bible out, they're going to shut you down. Does that mean give up on them? It means love them. And accept that maybe right now is not the time for seed because the soil isn't ready. The seed is the word. But if you try sowing seed on hard ground, you're not going to get any fruit. So sometimes you just got to love them. I mean, the first commandment, the greatest commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. Lord, you, you've made it clear this is my field, and it's just a barren dirt patch full of rocks and weeds and garbage. And, all right. And spiritually speaking, I'm going to roll my sleeves up. I'm going to start clearing garbage. I'm going to start pulling weeds. I'm going to start clearing rocks. And I'm going to start busting that soil. Maybe you've got somebody and they won't, they're not getting saved, but they're listening. Keep sowing it, keep watering it, keep praying over it, keep giving them more scripture. You may have to, instead of starting at the cross, start with in the beginning. That's what we've got to do. You've got that Buddhist mindset of a cycle with no beginning or end, and we've got to establish there's a starting point. Then we've got to establish there's a God at that starting point. And He created everything. He's teaching through and you finally get to Jesus and maybe they'll get saved. But I want to warn you, if you're willing to do the labor, you might just have a situation where you love on the person. They finally start wanting to listen to you talking about the Bible and you teach them patiently through. You show them who God is. You show them His power in creation and in the flood and the judgments on Egypt. Jesus' power, casting out spirits and raising the dead and healing the sick. And you work for months, even years, getting them ready. There might be a reaper that comes along and reaps that. You might just talk to the person one day and they tell you, yeah, so-and-so came and told me about Jesus and told me the God, and I got saved. What are you going to do? You better rejoice. You did the sowing. You did the labor. Somebody else reaped, but the sower and the reaper rejoiced together. Our prayer is that those images you're seeing, those people you're seeing on the screen that we've worked with and worked with, that while we're here in the States, we might hear of some of them getting saved because of Lou and Leck that are now in Laos. I guarantee we'll rejoice because what's important is they got saved. That got brought into the barn. Uh, quickly going to close. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul understood this. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 8, Paul says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Paul says, I came to Corinth and I preached and I preached and I preached and Apollos shows up in Corinth and he preached and he preached and he preached and people got saved. Was it me, Paul, doing it? Was it Apollos doing it? No. It's all the Lord who did it. We were just workers for him. And then he says, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. He didn't say he was going to receive a reward according to his reaping. It's according to his labor. You may have that individual who's had the fortune. God, let them be the reaper for hundreds, thousands of souls. 
But that's not what's being rewarded. That guy who went behind and loved on people and did the plowing and got to start sowing and did the hard work to get them ready, that's who God's going to be rewarding for doing the laboring. I want to encourage you. Look on the fields. And if they're not white, get to the labor. It will be rewarded. You may not be the reaper, but somebody can be that reaper. And either way, if you're doing the labor, you're the rewarded. Thank you, Pastor. Good word, man. Trust that you'll uh, pray for this family. You, you can tell that they need it. A difficult, very difficult field. Be sure to pick up a prayer card there on your way out. And um, just lift them up as the Lord reminds you. Well, let's uh, pull back out our prayer list. Let's pray for the needs that are there. And we'll be dismissed with this prayer.